ESPN. ESPN. Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Scott show on a give me all you got Friday and uh, happy to have you guys with me this morning. We've got Gus Cattengale waiting in the wings. We're going to chat with our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Uh, I think Bobby Nava is going to be in here for a little bit later to hit on a few things. Um, and, you know, we got Sean Fox a friend of Gus's making his first appearance on the show in the eight o'clock hour to talk a little UL versus ULM among other things. So give me all you got. Let's go. Welcome in. Happy Friday, Gus. Good morning. Appreciate you joining us live early on a Friday morning. I know you have a lot going on, my friend, but uh, you know what? It's Friday and it's football season. And uh, that's a combination. I think you and I can always agree on. 100%, 100%, man, especially when you wake up in the morning, put the TV on, get us going, and see it from the local news, man. And it's, I get it. It's never one of those things you want to wish it on people, man. But um, I think people are waking up going to feel a little bit better about that possible storm in the Gulf next week. I can tell you the people are freaking out around here. Soon. And I get it, dude. There's still a lot of people recovering from storms the last two years. So. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things, man. Just now, now I can look forward to next week, Scott, because when I went to bed last night, all the meteorologists were telling me we're finally going to feel like fall next year. It's a couple more days of 99 and 100 degrees. Um, and we'll actually get like a legit cold front, man, this time next week. So that's a good thing. And then listening to how much like lung capacity you got, that, that was a very long good morning that that you went with today. That was a, that was a good one today. I mean, I, it's 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 Friday, man. We got, you oh, know. I know why. I know why. Your Mets clinched this week, didn't they? Well, they just didn't clinched, they clinched a, the they, they clinched a playoff yeah. spot, not the division. Well, well, you know who didn't? The Chicago Cubs. You know, the Mets, the Mets <laughs> before they went on a seven-game winning streak, got swept by the Cubs. I mean, I was thinking well. about you. I was I was not happy. I mean, the Braves are right there. And it's yeah. like, well, the Bets have an easier remaining schedule, so they sh- they should be okay, right? Can, and then they got I swept by the Cubs. I go and I, I got... I know you go to... Yeah, I just... I was just sorry, I, I know you go to bed early and all that stuff. I just want to... Were you watching at all the at-bats yesterday? It, it was so awesome. Like I'm talking about Aaron Judge and the Yankees. So, like, dude, wait. It's funny you say that. Can we just... Okay. Can we start off on a humorous note about that? Sure. What? The cameraman for Fox... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, dude, judges, judges hit wasn't even close to going out and he filmed that thing like yeah. it, it was going to just be hit out of the solar system. 
It was. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, what is what is he like? I get a crowd get because look, when you're a live crowd yeah. at something like that, every hit yeah. you're going to be like on your feet, like oh, is this it? Every hit, but every like, hit. I guess I yeah. never thought about it, Gus. I'm like, man, for some of those really big moments in sports, I always yeah. think about the announcer. And what are they going to oh. say? Or are they going to say too much, not enough? Just, I never think about the cameraman. And that dude, whoever it was, or gal, I was like, oh, my God. Thank God it, it actually wasn't out because that was, some, that, was, that was hilarious. That's actually really interesting you say that. Yeah, I mean, but what was so interesting to me was I, I've been following it. I, you know, I, every night go to Twitter, pull up the Yankees account, see if you hit one or not. Um, I've been talking about it on our show, Scott. We've touched on it before, man. The, the love that this era, I think, has for baseball. We all know the love for college baseball. Well, that doesn't get like that unless you've got kids playing high school or, or younger in travel ball. So it is unique how much baseball there actually is around here. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's history, you know? I mean, like when, when you see somebody having the type of season that he is, triple crown leading, likable guy. I mean, just pretty much it, it kind of just brought me back. Maybe also nostalgia wise guy to what it was like to watch Sosa McGuire go at it. You know, we all kind of saw how big they were and all that stuff, but they were at least likable. You know, we, we saw bonds as chase at 73 unlikable. So, I mean, it was just kind of like, I remember though, obviously somewhat invested being a Cubs fan. And I remember going to the Astrodome, and watching the Cubs in Houston play and he's watching number 48, you know, get hit and getting there for BP and just the buzz is what I'm trying to get at. Scott, every time Sosa, I remember being in person at his at bats for that game. And, you know, just it's the second he stepped up. I mean, it's you stand up, you get the camera out. Like you just, you're waiting and, and watching that last night. I mean, Fox picked up a game nationally on a Thursday you know, to, to televise that, to try to be a part of history. And, and every at-bat, man, just you could hear the buzz. Every pitch that was a ball, Scott, the crowd starts to boom. I mean, he took – what's remarkable is this, too. He was walked three times last night. You know, like, you would think you, you're, you're on the precipice of history here. You get one, get it out of the field, get it out of the way, continue on the seat. And he came – he walked three times. Like you would think you're up there just hacking. And that's just, it hasn't been him. I, I just, I remember sitting there because one of his at bats, you know, it's time to put Carver down. And Carver and my mom are, you know, sitting there. And I mean, uh, and, and Anna, like, all right, go tell him good night. And I'm just sitting there watching. And, and, um, and I'm sitting there watching the TV. And, you know, I, I, could, I couldn't leave him. Like, hold on, hold on, give, give, give me another. Another pitch, another pitch. It's pretty cool. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Uh, for those that aren't following MLB and are not completely up to date with what Gus and I are discussing, Aaron Judge is at 60 home runs. And um, he, you know, 62 is not the record, right? We know McGuire passed, so we know Sosa passed, so we know Bond smashed both of them. Um, the, quote, steroid era, as if there's no cheating going on anymore for some reason or weren't any before. 
I say sarcastically. Um, but, you know, some some are viewing this as, well, this is kind of like a record-breaking, assuming Judge is clean. But let me let me ask you this, Gus, because I, I have trouble, you know, caring a, a, as much. Of, I certainly don't care about it the way I did, you know, in 98 uh, or even when Bonds did it in the early 2000s. Um, but let's say that this was not Aaron Judge. Heck, let, let's say it was Mike Trout. You know, who many think is the best player. If this was an L.A. Angels team and Mike Trout doing it, is this is this getting, you know, looked at or celebrated as if it's somehow the record, even though it's not, but some believe it kind of is? Like, how much of how much of this is just Yankee, if you know what I mean? Like, the coverage and, and everything right. surrounding it. I think there's something to that, Scott, but clearly your hatred for them because you're a Mets fan is completely coming out. The guy is the triple crown leader right now. He's having an unbelievable Let's season. Let's go, Mets. So Come see. on, baby. Let's no, go, exactly. Mets. That's exactly. There we go. You see, you should have started that. Look, I'll, I'll admit this, though, that. Gus. If it was a player on the Mets, it would probably be getting a ton yeah. of coverage, too, because of the market. Like, obviously, the Yankees oh, are, right. are the Yankees. But, like... You know, L.A. is a huge market. If it was a Dodger, ton of it. Angels, you know, Mariners, Marlins, take your pick. Rockies, if it's if it was the Rockies, they'd be like, oh, it's the stadium the guy plays in. They would they'd be downplaying it because it's the Yankees. They're acting like it's the best thing ever, and it's cool. Don't get me wrong. Where you? Oh my gosh, Jesus! I mean, come on, Scott. (laughs) 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 He's having a ridiculous. I mean, sixty-one years. You know what? It's funny how you say that too. Is because you know, something I was going to say on the show today. Watching those at bats yesterday, you realize how hard it is. Like, and that's what I've even said about the steroid era with those guys. You still have to connect on the baseball. You know. Now look, can you check swing one? You know, four hundred yards and I mean four hundred feet, and can you? recover and be healthy and all that. Sure. It's like he's played every day this week. You know, you've seen him do all those different things and, and those that bats. And yeah, I mean, that, you know, when you're on stuff, it helps you feel fresh that next day and all that. But man, you're watching every at bat, every pitch, people are expecting you to hit a home run. It's not a hit, not a single hit it out of the park. And it's really hard to do. And, you know, that, that's the thing. That, that's why I think it is special. Absolutely, I think market does help to maybe, I would say, some of the part of the season. At this point, though, man, there's so few people that have gotten to that number that I do think no matter where it would be, it would help. And it's unique, though, because I do think also, Scott, to your point and your guys, I think New York is a baseball town. You know, like people do celebrate their baseball teams there when they have success, they become folklore, right? Whether it's when the Mets last won the World Series. I mean, a Yankee captain is essentially viewed higher upon than any elected official over there. I mean, you know, it's like, I mean, there's, you know, the King Kong memorabilia at the Empire State Building and who's been a Yankee captain. I mean, it's like people know who they are. So, yes, the storied, you know, franchise and, and everything like that absolutely does add to it. And I think part of that is because of the names that are on there. Some of the biggest names in baseball, you know, happen to um, happen to be a Yankee. So when you have a Yankee making the run like he's making, I do think it gets a little bit extra coverage. But, you know, it's crazy. You know, Otani 
has had an unbelievable season oh, yeah. with the Angels. And, you know, many still are arguing that he's the MVP. He's been incredible. And you mentioned Trout, and guess what they're doing again this year? Yeah, they're 20 Watching games the playoffs, below 500. Which is incredible. Yeah. I mean, every every it's night incredible. it's Otani and Trout make history while the Angels lose by yeah. four runs. Every night. Yeah. I mean. yeah. So, yeah, you know, look, I, I do think it adds to it, man, but it's just it's just something to watch. And I know people, like, get to the Saints and Pelicans or whatever, but I just, dude, I – it just it's it's magical to see something like that, but to me, it's more of the theater of every pitch, dude. Every pitch, you have the crowd uh, booing. Uh, I mean, Gus, do you, you have know, Apple TV? And then in the ninth inning, I do. And then in the ninth inning, you know, it gets up, and everyone on Twitter's like, "Okay, here comes the walk off. He's going to hit it on the walk off." And dude, he hits it to dead center, and you talked about the cameraman. And he caught it at the track. I mean, he did catch it in front of, but for a second, you know, it was like, everyone was like, ah. That cameraman, he, he, he was, she was trying to shoot that thing like he knocked it out of the stadium. It was hilarious. <laughs> Uh, You're watching tonight, aren't you? I'm absolutely watching everything, every event. I Apple know. TV, I by the way, which would also be funny if that's where the record happens, where lots of people can't see it and it's a different announcer. But um, Gus will be watching. Uh, and you know what? Um, I'll be watching the Mets. Let's go Mets, baby. Come on, let's go Mets. Uh, um, all right, we got we got a lot to get into. Great stuff. Great start to the show. Gus Gail, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Saints, on the, on the level of concern, 10 being red hot, 1 being no big deal, where is Gus at after two weeks going into this important week three? And Pelicans media day is... Monday. I will not be there. We yeah. will have a representative. Lynn will be there. But, you know, what, um, you know, I, I think more people are talking about uh, Zion's body than, you know, kids of our generation talked about the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue back in the 90s, guys. I mean, everybody's talking about <laughs> Zion's body right now. We got to get into it. Don't go anywhere. So give me all you got Friday. Give me all you got. Give me all you got. On the Great Scott Show. We're right back right after this. athletically in the seventh grade. Do you know what a hero you are to me? I presume you're referring to my four touchdowns in one game. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. Scott Show on a Give Me All You Got Friday. Sean Fox in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk UL versus ULM. They play tomorrow night. LSU taking on New Mexico. Deshaun Booty will not play. Brian Kelly understandably says, nope, you need to go be with your girlfriend as she is uh, scheduled to give birth to uh, their first child. Congrats to them on that. 
New Iberian native and the LSU Tiger. Gus Cattengill on hold with us. Uh, he is in NOLA, bringing him back on line one as we talk a little Saints and Pelicans. Look, I want to get in a, a lot a, a lot of Saints stuff with you, so um, let's just quickly hit on the Pels as their media day is this Monday. And, I mean, uh, Gus, when it comes to Zion Williamson, we've seen various pictures of him when he's big in terms of a little too much fat and we've seen pictures of him where he's just like shredded and every time it seems like there's overreaction one way or the other and then we analyze it and then we come back down to earth and sometimes you know a picture can be deceiving i i, I just look you you know people uh you, you work at the flagship for the pels currently i mean you know people that you yourself cover this team you have insight you have sources i'm just telling you this this time it's not just oh did you see that picture it, it really does from everything, by all accounts, Zion truly is in the best shape of his life. As cliche as that thing gets thrown around every training camp and every sport, I think this is the year where it's actually true, and I think that's going to be one of the big things talked about at Media Day Monday is how good of a shape he's in. It's the first thing people are going to do when they walk in, right? Um, it, it's literally going to be the first thing they do when, when they walk in. How, how does he look? What does he look like? But, you know, what, what shape is he in? I mean, it's Literally the first thing they're going to do, and this isn't even before they, you know, report on anything. It's just, just you, you yourself, and you walk in, and you know, you see him taking pictures or whatever, and you're going to be like, all right, well, what does he look like? But you know, I, I'll say this: <clears throat> whether it's him or with the team, when I speak with people, he has been working, one way, shape, or form, and doing things. And Scott, I, I think. Look, the, the rep you get is the rep you have because of, of however you got it, right? I mean, I, in other words, I mean, the, the reason people think you're eating a pizza a minute is because you, you put on weight. The reason why people think that you don't want to play here or serious, you're going to have a problem is because you've been hurt and you've done all those different things. You won't return calls. You go away and do all those things. We've gone over those, whether or not there were reasons, there were not maturity, what have you, you know, we, we I, I, it's almost like two different Zions in terms of uh, how you want to hope that it's going to be because there's pre-C.J. McCollum Zion and post-C.J. McCollum Zion. Like, that's how I, I have to look at it, right? And, you know, all I know is that since C.J.'s come in here, they've had that chat, the old, you know, tear you down in front of a, a national audience on NBA All-Star Weekend, then get your back four days later. And then from that point on, the team had the run. And, you know, there you go to May 1st. And, and to me, May 1st is going to be a day that I will always, I think, link back to in, in a timeline of whatever happens in his career. And that was the day after the Pels got eliminated, the postseason, you know, presser with uh, the staff and all the players, and that's the first time you hear him say, I want to be here. That's the one that, – that's the day where he says, I can't sign that contract fast enough, you know, that he wants to sign the extension. That's the one where he says, I've spoke with uh, Willie Green, and he knows that, you know, I, I'm like, tell me how you want me to set up the workouts. Do you want me to help with the workout? I mean, things that fans have wanted to hear, things that fans were waiting to hear, they finally heard. 
And, and I think that's why I go back to May 1st. Since May 1st, he has worked out with some members of the team. He has met up with them. You have seen that. The entire team basically hasn't stopped working out together. Um, and, you know, it, there's that, 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 res, that reservation to it because, you know, most of the team, Scott, I can tell you the last two, three weeks, they, they've been getting at it in the facility. It ain't like, you know, we're going to play horse and stuff. It, scrimmages, elbows in people's faces. I mean, <laughs> I'm getting texts, you know, and some people are like, what, what is going on here? They're getting at it like a playoff game. And Zion, you know, at times is there and isn't, but it's like Alvin Kamara, you know, with with the Saints. And and but that's what I'm saying. At first, you're like, he's not there on that day on that practice of voluntary workouts. And you're like, oh no. And then you see a photo of him in the pool, you know. <laughs> and then you see him in you know in Miami, and and that you know he he has somebody that he's working out with and has been working out with. And he's been in Miami most of the offseason when he's not here in New Orleans. So, look, I'm at the point where whatever it is you need to do to get your mind right, whatever it is you need to do to get your body right, get it right. Because the reason he's in the best shape of his life and what you've been saying, Scott, is because it's literally the first offseason he hasn't been hurt. I mean, he was, you know, injured when he first came into the league. Um, uh, you know, he had his body wasn't where he needed to be in the off season because of whatever the, you know, the, the circuit, like they called it and going around and doing all of that other things. But, you know, and let's be honest because of himself too. I mean, you can't like, um, um, you know, like, like they were saying on draft night, like Kendrick Perkins was saying, you can't go have a pizza. You know, he was ordering two pizzas on you know, the draft count mine. So, Again, to me, I look at it as pre-McCollum and post-McCollum. As crazy as that sounds, because I, I, I literally think it's two different players right now, two different focuses. And you know what? At the end of the day, if you are a competitor and you want to play, it, it's got to affect you. It's got to bother you. And, and I do think from everybody that I've talked to, he does have that chip. You know, some of us, I know when I've said that before, they're like, well, he should have a chip. Like, I, I get it, dude, but... You know, it's sort of like the conversations we have with Winston. You know, are we going to harp left and right on this or that? Or, or are we going to realize, okay, things are different and, and you moved on? And I know this past weekend's game is not going to help that conversation. But, you know, you can at least now say he's not the Jameis Winston stealing crab legs and, you know, getting in trouble, right? So, I mean, that, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, hopefully – as you and I do, people grow, people change, people make better decisions. Unless they're so Brett Favre, they just keep making really bad decisions, which I've been telling people well, for years. That's, but... that's a whole nother, you know. <laughs> I've been saying I mean, it for years. Um, last thing on Zion. Um, I mean, I think it's worth noting, Gus. I mean, he got a personal chef. And that's, that's I mean, for a player like that, that's big. I mean, I remember, you know, Emeka Okafor was was a great player in college, number two overall pick, never never an all-star or anything like that. But, you know, he spent some time with the New Orleans Hornets, and you know, when, I, when he got to New Orleans, he was eating just everything that New Orleans had to offer. I mean, the, the po' boy, all of it. He talked about it, and he was like, you know, he was still young, smart guy, but like hadn't really – taking care of his body much and they were like man he's always he's always falling asleep he's tired all the time and then he got a personal chef and I remember him saying it 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 made all the difference in the world like it changed so much of 
his energy, his body. And, and Mecca was never, you know, overweight per se. But, you know, my point is when when you're a guy that needs to invest in your body because it's worth literally millions of dollars and you're a professional athlete, in the case of Zion, hundreds of millions when you factor in not just a rookie contract but all the endorsements, that is an absolutely uh, worthy and important investment. And I think it's I think it's probably been part of it. We could talk about the training and all that. I mean, he's always been a freak athlete. He's always been able to play ball. He's always been able to lift a lot of weight. He's always been able to train that personal chef side of it. I think that's a big difference maker. Segwaying into the Saints, you mentioned Jameis. Um, I, I, I don't know what it is about Jameis. Everyone is so extreme about him. It's either I find myself... You know, Gus, whenever people are calling him the worst quarterback ever, uh, I defend him. And then they're like, oh, you're just a Jameis stan. I'm like, I'm really not. I'm just pointing out that he's not the worst quarterback ever, you know, whenever he's. And then whenever I, I, I criticize him, I have these Jameis stands that like have every every single excuse ever as to why I'm way wrong and he's the best ever. And I'm like, man, what? Like it, 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 it Reggie Bush, different player. I get it. But he was so polarizing when he was with the Saints and either everyone's underappreciated him or he's totally overrated and, and all this other stuff. With Jameis, it's different. I get it. He's the quarterback and and all that other stuff. But it's um there, there's I feel like there's a lot of extremes with Jameis. I just want to objectively look at it. You know, he's hurt. He has not he's played one good quarter. He's played seven bad quarters. Uh I think this is an important game for him this week. And uh, I, I want to see more consistency out of him. Um, and, you know, if you get a, you know, farther into the season and, and he's more healthy and it's still not there, you know, I, I, the Saints, they, they tried to trade for us, Wilson. They, they tried to get Sean Watson, which I'm still glad they didn't. But point is, you know, they've, they've kind of told you how they felt about Jameis going into it. I want Jameis to succeed because it's good for the Saints, obviously, but before we get into your level of concern for the Saints, whether it's a lot or a little as a whole, where are you at with number two under center for the New Orleans Saints? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's one of those things where you look at and then, you know, you're watching the game live and you know the reports that happened beforehand. So, you know, I would say, like, I think many people, Scott, on Sunday and Sunday afternoon and evening, you're – you're probably more angry at the staff or even him of what, why are you playing if your back's not hurt, right? Because clearly the back had to be something that affected the overthrows, um, you know, and, and maybe can't get the torque around. I don't know. You know, there's there's instances in that game where, you know, I'm listening to Deuce McAllister and he's, you know, sitting there like, man, that was a first down on a couple of scrambles. And, you know, he, he just didn't, he didn't take off and run. He just didn't do it. So, you know, you're thinking, well, it's clearly his back. And then you hear after the game, Scott, though, and, I mean, dude, Dennis Allen, you know, does not blame his back. So you're like, well, he hasn't seen the tape yet. And then Monday, he, I've been saying on the show this week, it's almost like he doubled down, right? I mean, it's almost like he sat there and said, look, um, when he was asked about the protections, he's like, yeah. telling you during the game, I thought it was good. And after the tape, I feel the same way. It's not better. Right, and right. The old line played great. Like, well, he was sacked six times. Right. You're right. What, so what does that right. tell you? <laughs> right. And then, and then you, you know, he, he's asked about the, the decisions and, and stuff. He's like, look, there were players there. And, 
you know, I, I feel like last week he was defending him. And by the way, that is a spot on observation when it comes to him. And then the analogy to Reggie Bush, it really does feel like an extreme. Either he sucks or he's great. I mean, there's no, there's no between every quarterback during the week. I'm playing sound clips that you get as well in the ESP at audio vault. And every quarterback is like this week, we got to get better. We got to fix this. We got <laughs> James ain't allowed that. It's either you better throw six touchdowns or if you throw six picks, you're terrible. But I mean, you know what? Really it, it's almost you're like right. as annoying as it is, because I just want to, you know, objectively critique him it's it's almost apropos for the kind of player he is because like i i think of Jameis like you know uh, he's he can be somewhere in the middle of the pack of starting quarterbacks if he doesn't make a bunch of mistakes but like let's say you're you're trying to average out why he's you know somewhere between 16 or 20 of starting quarterbacks in the but why is he there well it's not because he's just a game manager that's consistently right in the middle you know, like, like looking at his career, man, one week it's like, holy cow. I mean, he was, he was like one of the five best players in the league this week. And then the next week it's like, oh my God, what, what, a, what a disaster. And then, you know, you look at the beginning of last season and what he did and it's like, okay, you know, he, he protected the ball. He left some throws out there, whatever. The point is like, you come to the average of maybe where he is and it's, 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 it's usually because it's like kind of one extreme to one side or the other. So I guess, you know, as I'm thinking out loud here, it does kind of make sense that maybe that's why everyone is, is kind of so extreme about him and, and, and he's somewhat polarizing. But, you know, I go back to this being a, a year, a, a prove-it year for him because the Saints told us. They didn't say it out loud. They told us how they felt about him as the starter whenever they went out and tried to get someone else. And... You look at the other side and the opponent they're playing this Sunday. I've never been a Baker Mayfield guy since he's been in the pros. And, you know, I talked to Jake DeLome about this last week. And Jake's, you know, the color analyst for the Panthers. And and he wasn't going as far as I was on Baker. But, you know, Carolina's lost nine games in a row. I think they're maybe the worst team in the rule in the, in, in the league. I mean, Matt Rule's very much on a hot seat. On paper, Gus, this is a game the Saints need to win. This is a game the Saints should win. But look at their two quarterbacks, polarizing guys that have oh like fervent defenders that like no matter what they are, it's never their fault. Um, you know, uh, one, you know, seemingly says the right things a lot. The other one never, you know, but but it's kind of funny. The other one, you know, is always mad. Someone's always out to get them. Uh, but but both of them have teammates that, that seem to like them. I don't know. It feels like I know it's just week three. But, man, it's a big game for these two teams, obviously. The Saints, they can't lose to Carolina. But it also feels like a really big game for these two quarterbacks, doesn't it? Like, in the grand scheme of their careers, am I putting too much into it? Not at all. Um, It's funny, yesterday's show, I started by saying, um, because I'd cut Matt Rule's Wednesday presser, and, I mean, Scott, two-thirds of it for those that didn't listen to it or haven't listened to it two-thirds of it was on how his team's not executing. And I look, yesterday was an absolute clinic on how to literally talk about your exit strategy in plain sight. Like, you've heard that phrase, hiding in plain sight. Um, right. Matt Rule spoke about how he's going to be fired or is quitting in plain sight. I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it. 
that dude at least four times in the first five minutes when asked about his offense or Baker's play would say something, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't know exactly, but he was asked specifically about Baker's play. He goes, well, Baker, like many of us, have had some good moments and others where, you know, we need to do better. And then he goes into reasons and and things that aren't. And But the reasons and the things that aren't are we have a receiver running a 12-yard route when it needs to be 20. Um, we have guys diving for first downs and not touchdowns. We have guys lining up improperly. We have guys going left when they need to go right. And I'm sitting here going, aren't you the offensive guy? Like, aren't you the head coach? I mean, he literally, on Wednesday, threw every single offensive player under the bus. Like, I'm listening and going, well, wouldn't you stop? I mean, you're going into week three, and you're telling me somebody has an eight-yard difference on a route? Like, you know, kids have been playing high school football, college football. The route tree is the route tree. The difference between different teams or levels of football is speed and, and, you know, what the philosophy is. But, Scott, a slant is a slant. An out route is an out route. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's tell me how long you wanted to run on this play if this is, you know, crackling Z20. But, you know, and I'm this receiver, I'm going to go on out at the seven-yard line, so it's a 10-yard out. I mean, that's, that's what I need to know. How are we on week three, and you're telling me receivers are back of fuse? You know what that tells me? Poor coaching. And I thought you were supposed to be the offensive guy. I mean, like, it just gets incredible to listen to him literally throw everyone under the bus. And that's been Matt Rule's tenure since he's been with the Panthers. It was the offensive coordinator's fault in Joe Brady. It's been the quarterback's fault. That's why he's been trying to get basically a new quarterback a month. And now listening to him literally tell me that his receivers are running eight-yard different separation routes. I mean, literally, another one was, well, two receivers are running into the same area. Well, dude, what what are you exactly doing? Are you just showing up on game day yeah. and calling the play? Like, I, I mean, think, it's I, like it, he it, should have talked to Nick Saban and Urban Meyer about, yeah. hey, you know, it's it's different in the pros. Trust me, you can't walk around like you're the emperor. Yeah. Um, that's just not how this thing works. And you know, they've been they've been bad, and yet, well, if they beat yeah, the Saints Sunday, right uh, th- tell me this, guys. Right. So one through ten, ten being the, the highest, one being not at all. Where is your level of concern for, with the Saints? I know they're one and one, but you've had seven bad quarters of offense. Where is your level of concern with the Saints, and how will it change Sunday based on the results? So, in other words, where is it now? And then Sunday, if they lose, where does it go? And Sunday, if they win, where does it go? In, in all honesty, my level of concern is probably less than five. And, and the only reason I would even put it at, at a five would probably be because you know you can't lose this game. So I'm raising the the level of alertness, if sure. that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't – look, we all know what's happening in London. Kirk Cousins is going to look like Joe Montana. I mean, you know, the guy looked awful on Monday. It's just certain teams – It's a morning game. Well, yeah, but how – so I, I wish I it was a noon I, game in London because then it would technically yeah. be night in London where he's just awful right. in prime time. But, you know. I know. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, it's, it's like when the Pels play the Mavs this season. I just – they just don't match up with them. You know, it's like you just know for some reason different players and coaches, it's just always they don't play the Vikings well. So whatever. 
but you can't come back to New Orleans one and three or one and four. I mean, like you, you, you can't. Like you have to win this game. I when again, which is why I, I I said what I said this last part of the segment here. When your head coach is literally telling me that their players are eight yards off of the route they're supposed to be running, they're not fixing that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they're they're not fixing that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They may, as the season goes along, they may be able to focus on it, but they're not fixing that level of ineptness. I mean, and if you think I'm coming down hard or I'm overreacting, your listeners need to go to Dan Orlovsky on Twitter. He posted two videos yesterday. Even the Panther reporter said, well, there it is. And he had two-minute and one two-minute video where literally by formation, the Panthers are telling people it's a run play or a pass play based on where Christian McCaffrey's actually lined up next to Baker Mayfield. If he's even with them hip to hip, it's a pass. If he's a step behind them, it's a run. Like literally that, I mean, and he's like, this isn't just two plays. He went through like 10 plays like that. He called it coaching now practice. So that team should not beat the Saints. Okay. And the reason why I'm not going nine or 10 is because it was two different games. I do think Dennis Allen isn't just saying coach you speak. Atlanta had all season to come up with the play and, and Mary and the Saints have just struggled against that zone offense and everything. Right. Not, again, not even talk about the offense. You saw it click. He has played seven bad quarters. That's just what it is. But the reason I'm not going above a five Scott is because of the Saints defense. Saints defense didn't lose that game. They did not lose that game Sunday because of the Saints defense. Tom Brady had one drive where he proved to use the goat. And the difference between Tom Brady and Jameis Winston last week, and I know people are going to be like, well, there's a ton of them. No. Sunday was, you could see the difference why one's great and one's trying to prove that he belongs to be a starter. Patience. You have to understand the game you win. And the reason I bring that up, Scott, is because on Monday's podcast, Let's Go podcast for Tom Brady, he actually spoke about how emotional he was in that game. And we saw it, Scott. He broke another tablet when he got stopped on fourth and one. He's screaming the F word in slow-mo, going into commercial break. Like, it, you saw him get like that. The melee was that team fed up of not being able to beat this team. It was affecting them. This is a guy that's played in 10 Super Bowls, and you're telling me Sunday he couldn't control his emotions. Comma. If he can't do it, then maybe that's what we saw on Sunday because it wasn't his back. I think Jameis just won that game that bad. And I think he just made bad decisions. And he, you consistently hear Dennis Allen this week. He just should have taken Tony Jones Jr. wide open over the middle instead of making a bad throw to Landry. He was open. He just threw it poorly. The pass to Olave, if it's a yard or two above, it's a touchdown. He had the step enough between men still double coverage though, but it's a shot. You live with it. The Juwan Johnson interception, he's backpedaling, doesn't set his feet. And even still in that one, guess what's wide open over the middle? It's Michael Thomas. And I, I say that because there's a lot of fans this week that kept calling about the play calling, the play calling, the play calling. Like, there was nothing wrong with the play calling in the opening drive. They didn't cash in for a touchdown. He had a lave. He threw the ball into the dirt. If you look at the, the end zone camera, Alave's there. He throws an accurate pass. It's first and goal at the two. And when you look at not only that play but other plays, 
if he is just a average quarterback, I think they win that game. I think he got too caught up in it. Now, you got you got to prove my theory right this week by going out there and playing well. But that's why I'm not concerned because that defense is still the same defense. And I do think that that offense has weapons. If he can just click it, and here's why else I'm not concerned. Because if he doesn't do it this week and next week, Dennis Allen's going to go to Andy Dalton. Because I know that guy can do it. So, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, I'm not that concerned because I don't think the the team is a bad team. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And and let's go back to what we were saying after week one. This team, you know, has often gotten off to slow starts and hit their stride later in the season. Now, it's different offensively, and and yes, all eyes kind of go to the quarterback, and that's where it's going to be this Sunday against Carolina, noon kickoff. Uh, Gus Cattengill has been our guest, as always. Give him a follow on Twitter at GCAT underscore 17. That's G-K-A-T-T underscore 17. Host of the Sports Hangover, noon to three weekdays. Um, in New Orleans on ESPN 100.3. Gus, I'm sorry, I can't. You know, typically I do get to Pelicans Media Day. I'm I'm a judge in this uh, UL homecoming paint the town red thing the day after, and I couldn't have two days in a row where, like, I'm not on and I'm out. So that's kind of why I won't be there. But um, you know what? It's better this way. way, This way Todd won't be able to steal your crackling. So, Well, here's the thing, though, man. You could have slept over I have this perfect little spot where I do the show in Carver's Playroom, right next to <laughs> a bag full of Toy Stories. We have uh, a Hot Wheels Ultimate Garage to the right. Like you could be playing in between your segments, and have done the show in quick, the morning. Man. Quick, I mean, yeah, quick, I got funny, a spot right here. Quick, funny story, and then I gotta <laughs> let you run. Um, when I had COVID back in 2020, I, uh, you know, I was, I, I was. I didn't do my show like for the first few days. And then I, and then I started doing it like from the room in the house where the kids, the kids playroom as we call it. Right. Um, and I was like sleeping in there and, you know, trying to stay away from them as best I could. And inevitably just, we all got it. But I remember one morning it was after, it was a Monday after a big UL game. And I was doing my weekly one-on-one with Billy Napier. And, uh, and he was, he was making some point and all of a sudden in the background, you could just hear, I'm ready to wipe. Yeah. And he was like, what was that? I was like, oh, this is one of the kid things. And then we talked about it later, yep. like not on the air. And, you know, he's got young kids, mm-hmm. too. He thought it was hilarious. So I'm like, you know, you do yeah. show, you do your show from home. You might get more than you bargain for. My, mine's, my, mine's trained to, he knows the break. And I tell him, you know, 15, 30, 45, and top of the hour. Uh-huh. I, I, I'll pod my mic down. I'm like, Gotta wait for the break, and he just sits there and just chills on his tablet. I mean, (laughs) I mean, all summer he stayed most of the summer with me here, so and I'm doing it from here. So um, we we got this down, man. But aside from the fact, quite honestly, he does our he does my opens. He does a rejoiner every now and then. Mm -hmm. He'll put on a a headset and yeah, and and ask questions. He asked um, Grave Digger a couple of questions to start the segment. So. I mean, he's kind of training already, to be honest with you. Oh, man. God Pretty- God help him. God help him. God save him. <laughs> I appreciate it, my friend. Uh, sorry I won't see you Monday, but I know I'll be talking to you soon. All the best, brother. Yeah, for sure, man. Take care, Scott. You got it. That is Gus Cagliar, Saints and Pelicans, of course.